Welcome to Small Business Sisters, where two sisters who started their own separate businesses come together to share all things business growth and personal growth. Every week, they will share practical business tips that they have learned along their journey and share their individual perspectives. So grab a drink and join the sisterhood as we discuss all things womanhood, motherhood, and small business. Oh my goodness, you guys. I don't even know how to preface this episode. Um, It's going to go down on our feed as one of the most special episodes that we've recorded. We brought on Tish Holden, who runs Austin Pop-Up Retreats here locally to me. Um, Tish and I recently met and I just fell in love with her. She is, she radiates, um, light without being over the top. I don't know if that makes sense, but just like when you're around her, she is such like, a a breath of fresh air, but you also, she's a great listener. Like you just always know she's listening. Um, but Tish and I both connect on today's podcast about our eating disorders. And if you've listened in the past, you've heard me just kind of brush over that. And, you know, it's one of those things when you let somebody into that, it is, we're letting you into a piece of who we are and that can be really scary. And so I think you're going to love this episode. I think regardless if you have the mental illness of an eating disorder. I think as women, we tend to struggle with body image um, across the board. We talk a lot about that. We talk about how her retreats started out of that. And um, oh, it's just such a beautiful episode. I hope you guys love it. Um, we thank you for giving us this space. Um, we hope it helps somebody, even if it's one person. And we just know this one's not necessarily, we do talk about her business of the pop-up retreats, but this definitely hits more home with um, our mental illness piece. And so as always, we never want you to feel alone. So we hope after this episode, you you feel a little bit of light shined in dark places that might reside. So um, again, thank you for being here, for listening, and we really hope you enjoy this episode and take it to heart. Hi, everybody, and we are so glad that you are here today. As you know, we um, really value, obviously, small business owners, but also um, women who have experienced uh, mental health and how that has played a part in their life. And so today on the podcast, we have Tish Holden, who um, owns a local retreat pop-up. Um, I was going to say retreat center, but it really doesn't have its own place. You get to go to all these beautiful places, which we'll talk about later. Um, but we have Tish on to talk about her uh, pop-up retreats and how that started and just a little bit about Tish's story. So thanks for being on today, Tish. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we are excited. And I know Tish outside of the podcast, but Jenny got to meet her for the first time today. And I just want to thank Tish for coming on because y'all have heard me talk about, not deeply, but just kind of surface level about um, my struggle with, well, actually discovering that I had an eating disorder and kind of 
and counseling for recovery and all that. And Tish shares a similar story. And I was telling her before we got on that it's just so great to, um, it's scary. It's really, really scary to put yourself out there vulnerable, uh, uh, vulnerably. Um, but I have found, and I don't know if Jenny and Tish, if you have found that like when you bring, it's super scary because it's in the dark, but as soon as you bring it to light, it gets so much less scary. I'm actually getting chill bumps talking about it because it gets so much less scary because you're not alone. Even like if you have people that are like, oh yeah, I deal with that too. That makes it not less alone. But I know even telling my husband brought so much, it made it less scary because he was in it with me. Yeah, I, yes, totally agree. Just to piggyback on that. That's what I feel like too, especially like there's the power to speaking it, but also like that's why I journal so much because something about like getting it out of your head so it doesn't just live there where it spins around is so helpful. But that's why I, I, um, I try to bring personal stories a lot into my business just because there is so much power in the you're not alone and helping other people realize like we're all in this together. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. And as you both spoke, I was thinking about how a lot of these struggles that we can have, whether it's an eating disorder or depression or even overwhelming anxiety that can cripple people, these things carry so much shame. And when you can just speak it, it takes away a bit of that shame because when we are, shame just thrives. It's like in secrecy. And so when we are in a state of secrecy and keeping it to ourselves, that's just, it's a breeding ground for it to grow and to keep us more in our struggle. So just the power of speaking our emotion is really powerful. We actually spoke about that at my retreat this weekend. So we'll we'll dive into that later. Um, yeah. I would love, Tish, to get started. I would love you to tell people what Austin Pop-Ups re- Pop-Up Retreats is and just how that came to be. And I think that that will kind of pull in some of your story. Okay. So I had a need. Um, really over the last couple of years, and I didn't gain clarity on what it was, but as I was going through recovery, I noticed how alone I felt. And as a mom with young kids, even as I was in recovery, I still felt so alone. And I just needed space sometimes from my children, honestly, in my house Um, through the pandemic, we were all home so much. And although I maintained my recovery through all of that, I just needed a space to get time to think, Mm -hmm. to be poured back into and not just going away for an hour to a workout class and coming back because you don't really get to settle your nervous system long enough to feel healed in an hour. And I had this sort of divine download from God is what I call it, where I just thought, you know, what if I created a retreat that was just a day so that moms like me that don't want to be away from their kids overnight or can't, you get to be with your family in the morning, go be poured into in a way that potentially can last 
um, or plant seeds for future healing make you feel like you're in community. You can be uninterrupted to have thoughts and feelings, and then you go back home. And as I was investigating retreats, I saw that all of the offerings around Austin were weekend retreats or 24-hour retreats, and that doesn't fit with my life. So I just leaned into that discomfort of creating the thing I needed and hoping there were others that wanted to come along. So this isn't just for um, I'm dealing with, you know, crippling anxiety and need to go. This is I need a break, a mental, spiritual, physical break and want to go pour into myself. That's what this is. Absolutely. I'm a nurse. I feel like nurses, (laughs) whenever you get a day off, really need a break right now. If you're in healthcare, if you're a teacher, if you're a mom of any age, but I feel like especially young children, because they are so needy, that the, all of those things are me. And that's who needs a break. Yes, when you're in struggle, I feel like a day like this can help, but it's not going to solve your problems. And I feel like when you implement, I heard Brene Brown talk recently about how you have to have some practices of real self-care in place. And that's what this is, is real self-care, not just getting my nails done, but getting my head right and giving my emotion space. And when you can have that practice in place before the storms hit in life, then you are better built to, to like, to get through that without crumbling. And so, yeah, I just, I wanted to give a space for anyone um, that wants to come and enjoy a break and also explore the different methods for self-care that I see all across social media and never had the time to go try individual classes. So each of my retreats have tried different things that I've always wanted to try to expose us. Breath work was at the most recent one, activated breath work. Um, We've done trauma release yoga. We've done mindful intention yoga, women's circles, which I want to talk about more in a minute. Um, Meditation. Sarah taught us, she's a therapist. She taught us about the way our brain works um, in a trauma response and in stress. And so it's just, it's a day to to learn a little bit and go, oh, that worked for me or that didn't work for me and I don't ever want to do that again. I love that. First of all, I <laughs> love the Brene Brown shout out. I was going to ask you if because of her work with shame, if you're a Brene Brown fan, love her. Um, second of all, I love the approach. Uh, yes, totally agree. Like self, I think we can get into this thinking like self-care is like going to get a pedicure and which there is a level of self-care in that. But I love the um, belief and practice around like developing these habits or rituals that really do take care of ourself. Or um, I'm reading a book right now called Burnout, like completing the stress cycle. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's so good. And it's about all these like simple practices really, but that where your body and brain needs to stop the stress cycle to start to heal itself. And simple things like breathing and hugging 
somebody that loves you and like walking, like all those things. I just think that's like magical how the universe is designed to just, and our bodies are designed to heal us if we like tap into those resources. So, and I love that you offer all those different approaches because just like learning styles, we all have different ways of caring for ourselves. So that's awesome. So your retreat, so when you say a day retreat, is that like nine to five or what, what are your, how do you usually structure that? They've each been slightly different. This past weekend was 10 to 3.30. Okay. So So yeah, it's super doable. doable. Yeah. That's why I like that. And talk about this retreat last weekend because it was different than the other ones that you've done so far. So this one included young girls as young as the age 12 plus. And I really encouraged and invited moms and daughters to come. And we had some come in the 15, 16-year-old range with their mothers. And number one, I find this younger generation way more open and willing to consider self-care. They're interested in different ways of helping themselves. They don't have the same stigma we grew up with. Mm -hmm. And I think it's awesome that they're kind of facing head on and being talked about at school. Like this is anxiety. And so many of them are dealing with anxiety and depression and bullying. And the way our counselors at school, they're talking about it. So these kids are given a little bit of language, Mm -hmm. but they're then not taught at school some methods other than medication. I don't think they're really taught a lot of practices then to to sit down at home and go, well, okay, I can journal. One of the young ladies there at the retreat journals, but she had never done breath work. And breath work is powerful with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Can I interject real quick? Mm -hmm. I want to speak to uh, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, that like borderline. Um, I I was actually just talking about this in counseling and um, not to provide guilt or shame to the generations ahead of us. But what I'm finding is a lot of people our age in their 30s, early 40s, we were um, subliminally, like, I don't think it was purposefully um, taught to make, it's okay to make ourselves uncomfortable to make other people comfortable. Um, Like, hey, talk to this stranger or, you know, just, just little things like that. um, You know, whether it be in a church setting or just in general society, that just was was amplified to us, not from a place of being wanting um, wanting to do that, but just like, hey, always be kind over setting boundaries. And so in turn, we were told you can be uncomfortable to make someone else comfortable. So now we're having to process, a lot of us are in counseling to learn boundaries because we didn't learn boundaries. And so I actually have heard a lot of people call Gen Z and Gen Alpha elitist, like, oh, they just, they're snotty and elitist. But I'm like, no, they just know boundaries. Like they are giving boundaries and aren't budging. And that's seen as like elitist or um, snotty or whatever, which, you know, some teenagers go through that phase. But I just, I really admire that about their generation that they're saying like, 
no, I'm not going to be around X family member because they make me uncomfortable, where we always had to do that to be kind and Mm, a little bit mm -hmm. of a doormat, you know? And so say, like you saying this about the teen girls being more aware, it is, I I see that too. And I see it as such like a, just a good thing. And, and, and like, I, I imagine if I had learned this stuff at age 12, like what could I know, uh, you know, about myself? Yeah. So I think it's really cool. You opened it up to them, but continue on like what you guys did with them. (laughs) Yeah. No, really quickly to your point, because I feel so strongly about this. I do. I think our generation was, we lost the ability, or I did, to even know how I felt, which led to my issues. Mm -hmm. Because you always acted a certain way to get approval Mm -hmm. and praise and make those that to gain love from the people, your parents or mm-hmm. head figures of your family. And so you're right. I do love the openness of the youth. I love the way that I'm speaking to my daughters, as I'm sure you are with your children, completely different about emotions and honoring those feelings that you have internally, noticing them. and then spending some time with them. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did at this retreat. We did a women's circle at the beginning and brought up what we were feeling and noticed it. And we used the wheel of emotion pillow. I I brought the pillow and printed out a wheel of emotion for everyone to really get down to the nuance of what they were feeling. Mm -hmm. And then we practiced speaking it. And, um, And then one of the most powerful things that I feel like we did for the young ladies and their moms was in that first hour, we did something called soul gazing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Which which required them to lean into their discomfort, (laughs) but you spend about a minute, which feels like an eternity, looking into the eyes of the person across from you being their mom. Wow. Or their daughter, and one is the giver of love through their eyes, no words, and one's the receiver. And then we switched roles, and for a minute, the you know you reverse, and it's really powerful to catch gaze with someone like that in such an intimate way. You feel the energy coming off of them, even a stranger, and just the tears that were pouring down people's faces as they received, especially the young girls, that kind of love from their mom where they're, you know, probably used to going head to head with one another. And for them to be able to see how much their mother loved them in that moment, I've had messages now after, you know, messaging me going, wow, that was my favorite part. Uh, That's powerful because, yeah, I'm thinking through now, like, how often do we just, like, gaze at people? Because that can – I want to do it with you, Christina, but I also, like, think, like, that would also be so awkward, like, but it's so good. And I think it's because we're, like, um, trained. I don't know if that's the right word. That that's awkward, so we push it. We don't do that. But how much power can come through just like gazing at someone? Oh, I have goosebumps now. <laughs> I also was- like. I feel like my ADHD brain is like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can 
do it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to make Tyler do it later. I'm sure it'll be. You should. I'm sure it'll be recept- receptive. <laughs> you know, and if, if those of you listening are thinking, I would never do that. I'm not coming to one of your t- retreats. We haven't done that at the others. But, you know, there's usually some sort of activity that you haven't done since you were 15 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at summer camp that is you know, just pushes you a little bit to that discomfort because that's where we expand and grow mm-hmm. into I know that one of, your, one of your retreats, you did a sound bath. And as somebody who has attended a sound bath, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I know some people may not like it, but it, I loved that. Mm-hmm. There's been sound bowls at each retreat. This retreat, I brought in a woman who has nine crystal quartz, huge bowls, and they're a low, deep tone, and she played those, and it is, it just vibrates every part of your body, and it's so soothing and relaxing and meditative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. let's, you said something um, a little bit ago that... Uh, you continued your recovery during the pandemic, (laughs) um, which is very interesting to me because that's when my, um, I didn't realize I had an issue until actually COVID hit um, because I want to preface saying, I know COVID was an, is, was all of the above an awful thing. My family had personal experience with, with it being really bad, but in saying that COVID actually, I look back and I think it, it, it saved me a bit. Um, because all of a sudden we were all home and all together and I no longer had the privacy to purge. Same. I, I was in recovery, like with therapy and on my own had admitted to myself that I needed help. Um, Prior to the pandemic, for a couple of years, I'd been in recovery. And as with anything with recovery, it's an up, down, up, down, a lot of backwards. But I'd st- I would still have binges and purges occasionally. And I feel like it's like March 1st or 2nd when it was we saw what was coming was my last purge. And then just like you, through the pandemic, us all being home and having a more relaxed schedule. And I don't know, in a lot of ways, and we too were affected personally by COVID and had a a close loss. But in all the other ways, I just continued to thrive. We met neighbors who normally weren't home and became good friends. So we had community. And um, one of my children was not doing too well. She struggles a lot with anxiety. But I became so much um, more healed and have only gained strength as it's gone on, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I talk about, yeah. I told Tyler that actually, that I just find that really interesting that something so catastrophic could be so healing at the same time. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it gave me the time that I needed to. I carried a lot of guilt and shame for not having been around for my youngest when she was little because I was working full time. So I would drop her off early and I would go to work. And I was one of those people where I never, she wasn't doing well away from me and I never did okay 
feeling okay with that. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom during those young, young years. And so that kept triggering that guilt and shame I kept carrying. And then she kind of continued to struggle even after I quit my job. And so I got back the time I had always wanted and needed with her. Mm-hmm. And so in that, the pandemic was a gift for both of us because she got the mother she had never had who wasn't busy and wasn't running around and was less stressed. And I got to really meet her needs and go back and kind of get her where she was left. So part of my story is I did not realize I had um an eating disorder until I actually heard a psychiatrist talking and they were, you know, you hear anorexia, binging, and then bulimia. Like those are what you hear as eating disorders, but you always assume anorexia is not eating. Bulimia is throwing up and, uh, binging is everyone knows what binging is. Um, but I had never heard someone say, no, bulimia is not throwing up. Bulimia is purging. Whatever that might look like, it is purging your body of um, nutrients, of food, of calories. Like it's just a, a, an absolute purge. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, like that's totally me. And I actually had like kind of a mix where um, um I, I would tell people, oh, I would never just not eat. I have to eat. I I I, I can't miss a meal. But what I was doing was um, – okay, I'll give an example. If we went out to eat, I would look at the chips and in my mind be like, okay, well, if I eat those chips, that means I'm going to have to do an hour workout. Um, so instead, I'm just not going to eat the chips or I would take like one bite. So it was that side of anorexia. But then if I did eat three chips, four chips, I would go and I would go by myself and do, I would, I would do my regular workouts, you know, three times a week. But then every time I ate, I would go and do workouts. And I, I think the reason why I never uh, threw up purged was because I worked in dentistry and I saw effects of that. So like that wasn't the way I purged, but it would be by myself in my closet. I never, and the shame part of it is what made me realize like, yeah, this is an issue because if I heard Tyler coming down the stairs, I'd stop or, you know, like it was. And so it's just such a mind game. And even now, like I would say, uh, I mean, I'll look at pictures of myself before the pandemic and be like, oh my gosh, why? Like, I, 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 I was in decent shape, obviously my purge was working out, but it was like almost getting gross. It was almost getting gross. And then knowing my mind and how I, I didn't enjoy going out. I didn't enjoy, uh, I didn't enjoy any of that. If we went, if I took my kids to the pool the whole time I would just be thinking like, oh, my rolls are hanging over my bathing suit bottoms. And I mean, I look at pictures and I'm like, what rolls am I talking about? But so it's been like undoing because I don't do that to anybody else. Like I have to be clear with people. I don't look at someone and say like, oh, they have rolls. Like I don't do that with anybody. It's just myself. And so for me, I don't even know how I got in this tangent. Oh, of like my categories was kind of both. And I had to, I would have never classified either of those things 
as struggling with an eating disorder with that, which then of course I got into counseling and they're like, um, you know, that's actually a mental illness, which I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, I still look back and think how crazy it is. And as a nurse and have a master's, I know what an eating disorder is. And I think the power of the mind to, you know, just to keep us from admitting our truth and lying to ourselves, it, it's a really productive we protect ourselves or I know for me, I would have told you for many, many years, I, um, I I never admitted that I had an eating disorder, even to myself. It developed so slowly and so normally the way everyone, Mm -hmm. I was always applauded for my discipline in every way. Um, I just ate really healthy the way everyone did in my twenties and all of my friends. And we all worried about gaining weight and we all avoided food to make, be able to eat food later. And so there was this, you know, it was very much like everyone else. And then I can now see how for me, I, I didn't, I would not have admitted this until a lot of therapy, which is I recognize how enable I was to process and feel any emotion that I did not deem as good or happy, um, because of the way I was raised. Mm -hmm. I never processed some traumas that happened to me in my late teen years and early twenties. And so I just kind of kept shoving things down that were big. And then when we dealt with infertility, I still did not have an eating disorder. I still was eating. I would work out like normal people, but then we had a miscarriage and I can pinpoint that was when everything changed for me. I became after that very concerned with, I couldn't control anything, but the way my body looked. So I controlled my eating even more. I worked out even more. And that went on that way for like five years. And no, but it was already an eating disorder, but nobody could have defined it as that. I was seeing doctors out the wazoo for infertility stuff and eating what they told me to and not. Um, And then one day, you know, just like, I feel like five years later, so I'm in my young thirties at this point, I was frustrated with how I looked just like you. I counted calorie, you know, I knew what everything going in my mouth, how many calories it was and how much I felt like I needed to work out to, to be able to deserve that. And one day I just decided to purge a really healthy meal of vegetables. And I woke up the next morning and the scale was lighter and I was like, sweet. And it slowly, slowly developed into what you can read in a textbook of bulimia. It took a lot of time because at first it was still just my ultra discipline, which was applauded by everyone around me. And so, you know, everyone's always saying, wow, you look so amazing and you're so good. You don't, you eat so healthy and it just fuels it. Even though I just like you 
was, I was ashamed to be in a bathing suit. I did not even want to go to dinner with friends because what was I going to wear? And I didn't want to be in pictures. I didn't, you know, I just, I just absorbed myself into this world. And now I can see that an eating disorder is very much about distracting yourself from something. Mm -hmm. And, and I now know, you know, what that was for me. Yeah, I well, first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. And thank you for speaking about um, the journey of infertility I, and bringing light to that. Because I think as women, there's so much um, weight put on us around like childbearing and value. And I, I think we can't even imagine to understand the pain that surrounds that. And how all these things can then stem out of that. So thank you for sharing that because I know so many women walk that road and it Mm -hmm. can feel really lonely and isolating again because there's like the stigma about talking about it. Um, So thank you for that. And then to touch back on what you said about emotions and how giving different values to emotions, that I have a similar story with that of like, happy is good and all the other emotions are bad. And that's why I think the uh, the pillow, wheel. yeah, the wheel <laughs> is so powerful because, and for me, honestly, like the awakening happened during the movie Inside Out of where like sadness that made the people come around, like that brought togetherness. And I was like, oh my gosh, all my feelings of, because I can identify with deep sadness and I always thought that was bad and like tried to push that away. And uh, and I present as a very like joyful, happy person, which is there is a real joy in me, but there's also a very real sadness. And when I could get to a place of like, there aren't values to these emotions, they are emotions. Like it really does like unlock so much in you of how then you can see how that has connected to these other um things of like an eating disorder or anxiety or paranoia, like all these things stem from these things we were taught and like conditioned. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really powerful. Um, Well, and Tish, you said this earlier too, like um, no matter what mental illness someone is dealing with, there is a roller coaster, right? Like you have really, really um, good days, months, years where you're on top of it, you're healing, like all this stuff. And then, you know, you, you'll dip maybe not as far down as you were at, at breaking point, but like, you know, it's these ebbs and flows. And um, like, I've even found myself, you know, I've um, naturally gained uh, weight that I need. I actually heard a podcast the other day and I can't remember what podcast it was, but they were saying in order for your organs to function. So not even like, energy, any that your organs to function, it was something like 1800 calories a day for an average adult, like just for your organs to function. And then you add on like actually having energy and, and, you know, swimming with my kids or being like all of that. Like when you deprive yourself of, um, food, um, or nutrients, like, I just think of, thank God I was rescued from that because I don't think I could have been the mom I needed to be. I mean, even I use the example at the pool, like I couldn't even enjoy the, I want to swear, but I won't make you keep it out, Jen. <laughs> I love I the bleach. To enjoy- I love it. <laughs> right. I want to enjoy 
fucking pool <laughs> with my kids who are growing up, we all know, like, in a blink. I want to enjoy that and not be constantly thinking about um, what other people are saying, which, by the way, like, I just said, like, I don't care what others look like. But if you're somebody that shows up and is like, oh, well, I'm glad I'm not wearing that suit or whatever, like, there's something wrong with you. Like you, like you have to like reset, like somewhere you learned that you need to reset. And, um, you know, I just, I think about that a lot of like, I I read the other day that there was an actress, um, and I snapshotted it. I think I sent it to you, Tish, where, um, she was at the beach. She was, she knew she was going to the beach and she knew there was going to be paparazzi. And she said, every time she goes to the beach, the paparazzi puts out these pictures afterwards and she just looks awful. And so she knew she was going to the beach this time. And so in prep for that, which this speaks volumes, she didn't eat for like two or three days before, I think she said, of like, I needed to look good on the beach because the paparazzi is going to get me and they're going to put these pictures out and everyone talks about my body, blah, 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 blah. And so, she, and then she said, so she didn't eat was one, but then she went the whole entire day at the beach. Cause she saw the paparazzis. She was worried about the way she was sitting or, um, she made sure that she was like sucking in. And she, she wrote this whole Instagram post. I think it was, uh, Camilla Caballo. I think that's who it was. Um, she said at the end of the day, she was like, I didn't even enjoy the beach. Like, I was so preoccupied about all this stuff. And she made that post to be like, hey, stop talking about people's bodies. Like, can we just stop talking about people's bodies? Which I was going to say this earlier of like, I have taken that um, because mine comes from a lot of approval. Mine goes very, very deep of like, grew up in purity culture, thought the only value I brought was my body. So therefore, I'm going to look a certain way to find (laughs) value. Um, but that's a whole counseling session that we don't have time for, um, multiple, uh, multiple counseling sessions. But, um, but for, so for me, um, shoot, I just lost, lost my train of thought. Talking about bodies. Ah, darn it. Okay, well, we'll come back to it. If I, this is okay. why I need to write stuff down. I know. I've seen you <laughs> writing over there. Uh, I know, I know. But, oh, that's what it was. Because for me, it came from people's comments. I know that that's what um, led to led, – l- me seeking approval is the problem. But it was because people always commented on my body when it looked good. Mm-hmm. And so I have made it myself a rule that I refuse to talk about somebody's bodies. Good, bad, not, none. Like – Bodies are beautiful. They do amazing things. That's what we need to be talking about, not um, not anything else. And so even my friends who I know are – and I know that they probably get annoyed because everybody wants to hear they look good. But even my friends who I know are actively, like, trying to lose weight, like, I refuse to say anything about their weight loss. Like, I just – and sometimes I'll say that to them. I'll be like, listen, I'll preface this with, like, I loved you before and I will love you after and I will love you at all the in-betweens. I'm your friend because I like you, not the tone of your arms. (laughs) Um, But I know that you've been working hard for this. So I'll tell you, like, you can tell. Like, that's that's what I'll say. But it's very rare that I'll do that. But I – even that, like, irks me really bad because I'm like, no, that's not the value that you bring to me. Like, maybe that's the value you bring to, like, surface level Debbie over here. Sorry, Debbie's. But like, that's not what you bring to me. And so that's what I was going to say is I've just made it a hard, fast rule. Like, I'm not going to talk to you about your body. Same. I have a friend who looks 
great before and I can tell she has been trying and just recently I saw her and I find that I am not the one person to say anything because I know how much that fueled me in the middle of an eating disorder mm-hmm. to hang on to that eating disorder even stronger because people, that's what brought value. That's what brought positive feedback from others. It didn't start out about that, but it certainly held on way longer because it was something I could control to get approval. Mm -hmm. Um, when I felt like I was broken in so many other ways added Mm -hmm. on infertility and feeling broken and it was, yeah, it was, um, I I could not agree with you more on bodies. Having two young girls, I am really cautious about my words and I defend and I'm a mama bear when people say things that I don't want said to my girls. I don't want people commenting all the time on their looks. Um, Let's value their brains and their abilities and their personality not their body. Yeah. I was going to say that too, (laughs) just like not even just bodies, but appearance in general, especially for women, we, that's what we comment. Oh my God, your makeup looks so good or your hair and, and nothing bad about those things. Like we should do those things because we want to. And like, if that day we feel like it, but I also want to have the power and ownership to show up in my sweats with no makeup and like three day old hair. And like, it's totally, I look great that day too. And so I feel like I think the more we can be in the practice of doing that, of like just showing up how we feel that day. No shame if you want to be glammed out and no shame if you don't. Like that's okay. Yeah, just taking away the the value added when we're like, oh, my God, you look so good. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to find – continue, Tish, because I'm trying to find something. Um. I was thinking when you were talking earlier, Christina, how, you know, if you're someone, the only person whose opinion you really are trying to gain is your own, like your own approval. And when we can really get down to the root of that, if we're somebody who's judging others really harshly, or if we're feeling harshly judged, when you can really, again, spend time with yourself, get some time with yourself, you're really ultimately somewhere on some level needing just your own approval. And that is how I maintain recovery is by constantly reminding myself of the things I'm doing good and the things where I am falling short or I still don't like looking in the mirror at my body. I shared that with Christina recently. I can't, after the shower, I don't look in the mirror. I do not look in the mirror till I have clothes on. So I have certain things I do have to have in place to keep my mind from going to a negative attack. Um, but we have to focus on our strengths um, and and to give ourselves our approval, whatever that is. I somebody, I think it's Mel Robbins who said we should all get out of the shower every morning and high five ourselves in the mirror because it's a win. It is. it is an absolute win if you have yeah. gotten up and you have showered, and if you haven't, that's fine. High five yourself <laughs> if you got in front of a mirror and mm-hmm. you're about to just do a day. Mm-hmm. Good job, girl. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I have a one of my like healing practices is I do look at myself in the mirror, but I have to tell myself one good thing either about my body that day or like something like 
that's not my body that I love about myself just because it is it's I wish I could explain it to people cuz I I know people have body issues but when you have that mental illness piece it's such a mind game it's just such a mind game and so I also like swimsuit season is is rough this season for me because again I'm I'm bigger than I ever have been but I keep telling myself I because you know what your mind looked like at your unhealthiest state, um, emotionally, mentally, like you can tell yourself, like, I know I'm a better human right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I just know it. Like, obviously, I still have weak days and weak points, but I can tell myself, like, I am just so much healthier. Like, this is good. This is good. But it's um, speaking, but like, I'll, I'll end on this note because. Um, Wait, I want to say something also- after you. Oh, or do okay. you want me to say it? I before? was just going <laughs> to. Well, no, you can you can end it. I just um, Tish. I, obviously, we just talked about like like there's still struggles all the time. And um, recently, I went to to dinner for my birthday, and my friend snuck a picture of me. And so it was a snuck picture. You know, you can't pick your angles, all of the things, and sent it to me. And I sent it to my two sisters, and I was like, "You guys, like," I, I said, uh, "What do you do to tell yourselves?" What do you what do y'all tell yourselves on hard body days? Because my sisters don't have that mental illness piece. I know there's still body image issues, but they don't have that mental illness piece. So I'm like, help me. And my younger sister said, I tell myself I'm so lucky that I have a strong body that can move freely without injury and my organs all function naturally without me even thinking about it. She goes, even when I put them through the ringers sometimes. <laughs> um so I just like like that was such a good like practical thing of like, hey, body, this is what you have done for me. Yes, and that's what I was going to say. That's and what when Tish said it earlier that our body is designed to heal us. So yes. Oh my gosh, that's magical that it came to this point because <laughs> that's what I was going to say is though I don't identify with an eating disorder that I know of, but I definitely have body image issues and a healing practice for me has been um, so I did a meditation recently, which Tish, I feel like you would like this, but my, our shout out, Tammy Helfrich, she has a, um, meditation where it's like you speak to your, I think it's five-year-old self and then like your teenage self and then your present day self. And then like your 80 year old self, which it was so cool. And something that really hit me was like, that's my body. Like my body is that like the whole it's yes, it's grown with me and evolved. But like my body has done all those things. And I think of all the things I've gone through in my life, like my body has there has been there and carried me. And like, since we're going with the swearing thing, like I got into in college (laughs) that my body like, gosh, it's so strong and resilient. And has healed me even like full circle to my anxiety recently my uh paranoia has gotten really bad at night like right in between that going to sleep time and I had my doctor's appointment recently and I told you know I haven't been on medication medication for several years I'm not anti-medication but I had got I had other tools in place and I was like I just don't know it's getting so bad at night I can't sleep and she's we were trying to work through that and she's like i told her some things happening in my life like two mega things are i've ha- i have a son that drives now and i have 
the same son is going to graduate and leave the nest. And she's like, my God, those are like really big life moments. What if you're you're getting into bed, like your body's carrying you, your brain's carrying you through the day and you're getting into bed and it's finally having that time to decompress and like work out all those things. And what if just that anxiety is coming up then because your body's finally like processing it. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, like my body knows to do that without me even realizing that's what's happening. I just recognize it as like, oh my God, this bad thing is happening. And why am I so paranoid again? But it's like our body knows. And so I just think that, yeah, I just love our bodies. And I love that the two of you were so open and vulnerable in sharing that because I think it helps all of us, not um, just a certain group. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me and talking through this with me. It's so important to bring awareness to. Yeah. And Jenny, I was just, I wrote names down because I was thinking when you said Tammy, so um, Tammy is our um, uh, life coach, uh, just guru. I'm thinking in my head, if we got her, Amy Jackson, <laughs> and Tish, and yeah. Tish together, you oh, guys could make like a we mega... Yes, we, had, we need to do that. Yeah. There's a girl we had on who does small business retreats. So retreats like you, but for specifically for small business owners. And then Tammy and you, you guys would be like just such a powerhouse, but they're both in the Illinois area. So we'd have to have them come down here because we like our weather. Yeah, <laughs> we, we would yeah. jump on that. Just, just So Amy and Tammy, if you want to do a retreat in Austin, join forces. Come on down. I'd love to help. Oh, I'd love it. Well, thanks for coming fun. on, Tish. And thank, thank you so much for sharing your story and your business that came out of your story. What it Just an even like amazing thing that a business would be born from something so dark in your life, but that now is providing so much light and life to, to not only other women, but the next generation, which is pretty cool to think about. It is cool. It is cool. I call it the beautiful struggle because something came out of it. I love that. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tish. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh, I think that was my favorite episode. <laughs> I know. I love when we can talk just like I knew Tish just because I know her personally. and We've kind of shared pieces of our story together. I was like, I need to bring her on because it's I feel like when you have those issues happening in your life, which as small business owners, how she was talking about you, you feel, you know, it's not it's not a life altering moment. But just when you are spiraling out of control, the things that you try to control are things like that. And so I just knew, I was like, I, we need to get around. We need to get around before summer when everybody's putting on swimsuits and um, all of that because it is, it's such a real issue. Oh, and I just love, like you said earlier, bringing light to it because I think, I know I can't generalize for everybody, but I think so many of us think these things internally, like with all the things, body, mm-hmm. you know, not feeling adequate enough. It's just the more we talk about it and have those me too moments that mm-hmm. it just help it gets it's gonna stop it's gonna end the cycle. It's gonna end it. Well, and I think about that a lot too, because I don't have daughters, but I have boys who 
are, are one, going to say things about girls' bodies. So, so it's my job to, you know, come in and, and one, stop that. <laughs> and also, like, show them that, like, all bodies are beautiful and, like, what women's bodies are capable of and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel um, responsible in that way. But also I was talking to my friends who do have girls because – the truth is guys struggle with body image too. Now, are they as open and honest about it? Probably not, but they do too. Um, but for the girls, I feel like it starts so young. And so my friend and I were talking about like, but how does that end? How do we end that? And I don't think it will end until so many of us figure out tools. Um, it's going to, it's going to be weird because our generation was still so much part of that. Um, Hey, you better watch what you're eating. You mm-hmm. you know, you know where that goes. Or even just like the and diet fads that are diet fads, you know, yeah. like everywhere. Yes. And so I we are it's going to be a lot of broken people, a lot of broken women trying to heal the cycle for this next gen and so it's going to take a lot of healing on our part which from the people I know in the, their 30s, like they're up for it. Like they're up for the challenge of like, how do we heal this to hopefully bleed into um, the next generations? And so um, I don't know. I think it could be really cool. We need to bring her on again and talk about that of like, okay, let, now let's let's talk about talking to our daughters yeah. and, and what we say. But I think I really – honestly, I know it's a healing thing for me, but I would challenge everybody either – like when you do it, notice, which hopefully you will. Um, or if you do it, stop is how many times do you t- say out loud something about somebody's body? Yeah. Um, whether it be to your daughter, whether it be to your friend, whether it be to your sister, like notice it and just realize it and then think to yourself, I'm not saying you have to stop, but maybe you tell yourself, like, maybe that's the role I'm going to play in Mm -hmm. healing this cycle is I'm just not going to say those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that that, um, I've even noticed myself saying to little girls specifically, like, oh my gosh, your dress is so cute. But I don't say that to the boy sitting next to her, like, oh, I like your shorts. Like, you know, I, I, I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but that's something I have decided I'm going to do is like, how can I, um, give value to this little girl in front of me without it being something she's wearing or something that's on her body, but instead like in her brain or, in, you know, like, you know, you just seem so joyful today or whatever. Like, I think those little, little things are going to start um, healing us and the next generation. Agreed. Well, as always, um, we thank you for being here because that stuff can be really <laughs> scary. And I'm going to just speak on behalf of me and Tish. Like, thank you for giving us that space. We hope that it helped and doesn't, um, I don't know. I always get worried that I, when I let people in, it does worry me that they will in turn use that against me. So hopefully it just speaks um, life into people and not. Um, it's going to be so good. It's going to break know. so many chains for people, I think. And it's going to, when you do brave stuff like that, it's not going to feel comfortable. So the discomfort yeah, you're, you're feeling right. is good. It means you're doing something brave. Well, I'm doing it because I don't want us to ever feel alone. We're better we are here for together. You. We're better together. <laughs>
Join in the conversation by following us on Instagram at at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourself because we love to follow and support other small businesses. And if you love the podcast, we would absolutely be so grateful if you subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember, don't do life alone. We're better together.